Thank you, band. What an incredible time of worship. That was awesome, just being in his presence in the throne room. Isn't it awesome? We get to do that. Sometimes I think we, uh, if you've been around church a little while, we can forget that uh, we're, we're allowed to go into the throne room, behind the veil, into the holy of holies, boldly, the Bible says, boldly into the presence of our, our Father. And I love that. And that's, what, that's the special thing about worshiping uh, together. It's our church. It is good to see you all. It is good to be back. Uh, uh, almost a month of leave uh, with Ivana. It was so awesome. Uh, got up to so much and uh, so many cool things. And uh, this week, come back, getting into it all. It's been awesome. I know uh, uh, this weekend, uh, had our young adults retreat uh, and took a whole bunch of young adults up to Kenilworth Homestead. Uh, beautiful uh, spot. And uh, just an amazing touch of God for so many uh, of our young adults, and uh, which is good. Amen? It was so awesome. But uh, I'm excited to be here this morning. I've got a message that uh, I know God has really placed in my heart uh, to share with you this morning, and I feel like He's setting us up for a bit of a double header, uh, a bit of a, a back-to-back themed preach this week and next week. And uh, so I've entitled uh, today, When God is Silent. When God is Silent. I want to pray this morning. Jesus, as we open your scriptures today, God, I pray that you would illuminate them to us. Lord, that they would encourage us, that they would equip us. God, I ask that you'd help us to open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits to you today. God, help us to walk out encouraged and changed. Lord, more set on fire for you. God, more closer to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that whatever the need is today, that you will meet that need. God, that we would, we would lean in, being attentive to your guidance, Holy Spirit. We ask these things today in your name. And everyone said, amen. 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 A couple of, uh, couple of verses to set the tone uh, for this message, to, to really encourage you uh, around this thought. Second uh, Peter, we'll start there, verse three, sorry, chapter 3, verse 9 says, the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Romans 8, 28, sure lots of you know that one, says that, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. In Proverbs 3, Five to six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, there were uh, so many moments uh, that we can read of uh, in the scriptures of people that were waiting for God to come through for them. Had prayed a prayer, maybe they've been praying that prayer for a long time, asking God for God to move in their situation, and it just seemed like it was falling on deaf ears. It just seemed like God wasn't listening, or God didn't really care, or there was maybe something else that God wanted, or for whatever reason, it just seemed like heaven was silent, like God was silent. You know, I think of uh, Simeon, uh, the, the man that was uh, it's quite old when he uh, had his miracle come to pass, but he had been told by God that he would not pass away 
until he had fixed his eyes on the Messiah, on Jesus. And, and we read of this moment in, in, in uh, the, the temple where Joseph and Mary are bringing uh, their Jesus in uh, to the temple to dedicate him. And Simeon sees him and just his spirit leaps because he knew in that moment that this was the answer to this prayer that he had been praying since he received a promise from God. So many years. Yeah, I can imagine Simeon is like, oh, I wonder if I heard right. God, was that really a promise from you? Or is it something that I made up? Was it something that I've been desiring that, that maybe wasn't from you? And I'm sure Simeon might have started to, to have some doubts creep in or things like that. But God came through. God came through and answered Simeon's prayers. When we get a promise from God, I want to encourage you, you can hold on to that promise. You can hold on to that promise. I think of Sarah. Imagine waiting 90 years to have a baby. Think about that for just for a minute. (laughs) Long time, first of all. And uh, it's probably a little bit past the use-by date for childbirthing, if we're honest uh, about that. 90 years old, Sarah received her miracle. 90. I mean, this is weird to think about, so we won't think about it anymore. I was like, Gramps, Abraham, and Sarah, and then like a brand new newborn. It's like, all right, whose kid did you steal, Sarah? It's like, but you know, probably a baby bump growing for, you know, the nine months. So it's true. It's awesome, isn't it? Time is not an issue for God. Our restrictions and our restraints are not restrictions and they are not restraints for God. I love that someone like Moses, you know, who had a calling on his life and knew that he was going to do something great and had been asked by God to do something, tried to do it his own way, stuffed it up, went out and went into the desert and 80 years old, Marge, 80 years old, you had your birthday, happy birthday, I found out this morning, had a party without me, I was like, oh, outrageous, I love that, 80 years old, partying it up, that's so cool, it's awesome, well done. You know, that's when Moses saw the burning bush, when he's 80, and that's what kick-started him into the ministry that God had for him. I can just imagine, though, being out there looking after your father-in-law's business, it's like, oh, God, my father-in-law's sheep are not even my sheep. What have I done to my life? And he's out there looking after his father-in-law's business. And obviously, they go along really well. But uh, still, you know, your father-in-law's your boss. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I think I'd probably enjoy my father-in-law being my boss. He is a fantastic guy. Sends the funniest messages to our family chat. So cool. Can you imagine that, though? 80 years and his ministry started. Imagine being Joseph. And being stuck in an Egyptian prison for two years. Not an Australian prison. Not that you even want to be in Australian prison, but, you know, it's probably a whole lot better than an Egyptian prison. Just imagine the questions. God, are you even real? God, do you have any idea of where I am right now? God, do you, do you even love me? It's like you can just imagine the questions that you start asking when you're going through a waiting period for a promise. The Israelites, over 400 years in slavery. They had been told by their leader that they were going to walk into a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a, a, a promised land, a land that would be their land. 
and now they're slaves. Not just for a couple of years, generations of slaves, over 400 years. It's incredible. You know, I know I've been waiting for some things to happen in my life. I'm sure there's many in the room today that have been waiting. Maybe you've seen some answers to some of your prayers. Maybe you've seen some response to some of the promises of God that He's personally give you or just simply promises in the Word of God that we are allowed to partake of. Maybe you've already received some, but maybe there's more, and I know there would be. I could probably almost guarantee that every single person in this room is waiting for something to happen for them, is asking God for an answer. Real life, it's a part of it. The waiting. Waiting for maybe someone from your family to be saved. It's hard. Maybe waiting for healing. You know, it's always, it's always harder when it's, when it's someone close to you or, or when it's a physical issue in your body because it starts to affect every area of your life, not just physically but emotionally mentally. Maybe you've been praying for breakthrough for some children or your parents. Maybe you've been praying for breakthrough in the area of finance or your career or a, or a job or, or a mission. Maybe you've been praying for breakthrough in the area of freedom from something or from someone even. You ever, uh, you ever find yourself caught in those moments where, you, where you're talking to someone and, uh, and then you realize the end of your conversation that they weren't listening. I'm not talking about the moments where, like, you, you know they're not listening. And it's like, and you, you know, man, I just call it out now. It's like, don't like that. <laughs> You're talking, listen. Don't be on your phone. I love the whole phones on, like, the piles and stuff like that at restaurants, all those things that people come up with. It's really cool. But you know when someone's not listening, but... I think it's annoying when you, you, when you finish a, a question or a statement or something and then you find out that they weren't listening and then they ask you to repeat it and you have to repeat the whole thing again. It's always probably a little bit shorter, isn't it? It's like less details, less niceties, less how you're going. It's like it's just straight to the point like you need your answer. I remember when uh, Yvonne and I first uh, got married and uh, you know, growing in our relationship, uh, you know, she, she would ask me a question and like, Literally, I didn't even know she was talking. And then she would go, Joe, at the end of the, the question. I'm like, yes. <laughs> she's like, well. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, what? And she's like, didn't you hear me? I'm like, yeah, you said Joe. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I heard nothing until I heard my name. Like, it, it grabbed my attention. And so we went through some um, training <laughs> together. And... Uh, she now says Joe first. Because <laughs> she doesn't want to have to repeat herself. I was like, I thought that was fantastic marriage training. I was like, come on. I was like, she's trained me in lots of things, and I've trained her in lots of things. It's a two-way communication relationship. Come on. And so now she knows, Joe. I'm like, yes. And she asked me my question. It's the same when we're asleep. Like, you know, if there's like some sounds or something, I don't know, we're, we're four levels up. I mean, if someone's getting into our place, like they are climbing balconies, like they are part like Spider-Man or, or whatever, or they've like, they're pirates hooking ropes and stuff and getting ladders out, but she would like push me, 
like this, and elbow me, knee me, whatever she could do. Say, someone here, someone there, what's that, what's that sound? Oh, I'm just like, out to nothing. Joe, yes, what, what, what? Soon as she says my name, man, I'm like fight mode. I'm sitting up. She's like, no, no, no. Can you just pass me the glass of water? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Or she's like, you're snoring. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Roll over on my, my side. Ten minutes later, Joe. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Roll over on my side. Church, what do you do when you feel like God is silent? What do you do when it feels like God just doesn't care? What, what do we do? How do we get through this? What do you do when you've come to God and asked Him for an answer, for a word, for help, and the only response that you seem to get is silence? Maybe, maybe stuff even starts happening that's the opposite. Maybe, maybe you're believing for something and then, and then something else starts to take place. Well, God, that's not what I thought would happen. How do, we, how do we navigate this church? Surely he's forgotten me. Surely this can't be right. I want to dive into a time that God ignored his only son. A time when God ignored Jesus. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 46. It says, then Jesus went with them, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took three of his best mates with him. Obviously, he had his, he had his group of 12. Only 11 had come to the garden. Judas had gone off to be naughty. Three of his best mates, Peter, James, and John. He said, guys, come a little closer. It says he became anguished and distressed and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I will want your will to be done, not mine. Returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Wow. There's a lot in this passage. There's so much that's going on. It is a profound moment in the life of Jesus. But I want to focus on the fact that he prayed three times and did not hear a response from God. And he wasn't just, he wasn't even just praying a little bit. Like it says, you know, the first time he asked God, if there's another way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And then it, you know, it says that he went back over and found the disciples asleep. Like, but he, he tells Peter, like, Peter, couldn't you even pray with me for one hour? 
So I, I don't know, maybe he was making a statement that the whole time that they were going to be praying was an hour, or maybe it literally means that he had already prayed for an hour. So it wasn't like Jesus just was just having a go prayer. It wasn't like he was just, you know, made a quick statement and up he got and off he left. And no, the guy was praying. Jesus is literally about to be betrayed. And, and not by someone he didn't really know, not by an acquaintance, not by someone who probably should have betrayed him. No, one of his very own. One of the guys that had been traveling with him for three years. One of the 12 disciples, Judas, G- Jesus had been investing into him. He'd seen miracles, he'd seen all of this stuff, and this was the guy so close to him that was about to betray him. Here is Jesus trying to get some support from God just before he knows that what he came to do was about to come to pass, that what he was going to do was to have to suffer many terrible things. Not only this moment during ever close, but it seems like God, his Father, is withdrawing and becoming so distant that all of heaven just is silent. It's crazy. Meanwhile, we've got Peter, James, and John with the nods. You know the, the nods? Yeah, you know the nods. It's so funny, isn't it, when, you, when you're in a room or something or you're at a, I don't know, lecture or conference or whatever and, like, someone's clearly had a late night and, uh, or they didn't sleep well and it's, like, doing these ones. And then you, like, you see stretching and, like, doing this, sipping water, <laughs> like, fighting it, doing whatever they can, they can do. And it's, like, the funniest ones is where it's, like, the, 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 the nod back. It's, like, not the nod forward. Like, you could probably hide those ones. <laughs> the, the, the one back, it's, like, you can't really hide that. And, I mean, if, if you're going to start nodding, like, start getting expressive. Can I give you a little tip? It's, like, amen, praise you, Jesus. Like, woo, Jesus. <laughs> like, like, just add a little bit of extra in there to, uh, to maybe hide the nods. But it's what... It's what was happening. You know, Peter, James and John probably didn't really position themselves that well. I mean, if you're sleeping, you probably lie down. It's probably the wrong position to pray. Amen. Maybe pace, walk around, do something, stay engaged. I mean, Jesus, their best friend, is clearly struggling. Can you imagine how that would have made Peter feel, hey? It's like, we know Peter. James and John might have, you know, handled that emotional hit a little bit easier, but not Peter, man. I reckon that would have cut him deep. It's crazy though, isn't it? I remember this one time, we were, uh, we were doing this uh, prayer and fasting <laughs> uh, as a church, and uh, my dad uh, leads the uh, prayer ministry for Emerge. Like when you guys send your prayer requests in online, it's my dad that gets them and sends them to the intercessors and to the pastors and administrates that. And he has a whole team of people that meet all the time, uh, regularly praying and interceding for Emerge and what God has for us. And uh, so my dad decided it would be an awesome idea to run a 24-hour prayer meeting. I'm like, yes, let's go. Come on. I love uh, praying and getting into it. And I love the, the, the late nights and the long hauls. And I'm like, come on. So we're in there and we're walking around, worshipping and praying. And then at 2 a.m., my dad decides it is a great idea to get us to come and sit down in a circle on a chair and close our eyes (laughs) and have a moment with Jesus for an hour. I'm like, Dad... (laughs) You are killing us. What are you doing? But I'm, I'm like, 
I'm prayed up. I've been praying all day and praying all night. And I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm literally thinking I'm praying. And, and I had no idea that I had fallen asleep. You know, you know, I'm sure you've done it. You're like, oh, you were sleeping. No, it wasn't. Like, you know, when you, when you just close your eyes and then you open them, but you've actually gone out for 20 minutes. You ever done that? Come on, I know everyone's done that. It's like, man, when I was a kid in the car on road trips, it's like, we would like tease the one that fell asleep because they weren't strong, you know, and staying awake. And I was always the one that was like, no, I didn't. I was just resting my eyelids. I heard everything. You said this, this, and this. And then they'd tell me something else. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Middle of this circle. I mean, Dad, seriously. A moment. Moment's like a minute. An hour seated, closing your eyes, having, he called it the, the Jesus hour. I'm like, Dad, I'm not joking. I was told about this because I did not remember it. But apparently, in the middle of this time, the biggest snore, <laughs> the biggest head tilt, <laughs> literally like that. Like, the room is silent. It's not like they're praying and someone's giving a prophetic word in tongues or something. No, no. It is dead silent. And there is Joe over on a check. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, what's, what's going on? Like, one by one, some of the young adults are walking out into the foyer giggling. And I'm like getting all like, how dare they? This is not funny. I'm like, now with God and special moment. And they told me later it was me. I said them all. Seriously, though, who does that at 2 a.m.? <laughs> Man, I'm at 2 a.m. That's worship. Come on. Anyways. You think about this moment for Jesus. Not only was his support network not helping him, his boys, you think you could rely on your friends, you think you could rely on your best friends, you think you could rely on some brothers, some people that you've been doing life with intimately for three years. Not only can he not rely on his support network. You ever felt like you're in a fight alone? Such a tool of the enemy. It's actually the beginning stages of isolation. Can I encourage you, church, don't entertain those thoughts. You are not alone. You are never alone. You always have someone with you. You always have God with you. He is always doing work behind the scenes, even when we can't feel it, even when we can't see it. He is working. Do not entertain those lies. They are lies from the pit of hell. Isolation is a tool of the enemy. He tries to pull us out of our support network. He tries to pull us out. There is nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. It's the old trick that he tries to bring up again and again, and it starts to pull you away can I tell you that there is nothing that you are going through that God does not know that you are going through? You know, maybe you're here today and you think you've let yourself down because you've grown distance from, distant from God. Can I tell you today that distance makes the heart grow fonder? You know, if you, if you don't talk to a family member or, or a friend for a couple of days, do they forget about you? Do they hate you? Do they snob you or give you the cold shoulder. No, they, they look forward to hanging out with you all the more. That, that reveals to me a little bit more of who I think God is. That if you, if you are 
you know, a bit busy one day or doing something and you, you know, you, you realize, man, I haven't really spent much time lately or a day turns into a week or a week turns into a month. Can I encourage you? It does not make God hate you. It does not make you have to work your way back into relationship with God. The Bible says in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. It's a condemnation cycle. It's not conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know if there's conviction of the Holy Spirit because it brings excitement to get back into the things of God. But condemnation makes you feel bad. It's a liar from the pit of hell. Don't entertain those thoughts because it's the beginning stages of isolation. Not only was his support network not helping him, his friends were letting him down, he had no one else to turn to and where he thought he could turn to to find some support, some sort of consolation. Maybe not even an answer to the question, but just some encouragement. And God was silent. It seems like even God was letting him down in the story, doesn't it? What Jesus was going through in this moment was incredible. He didn't just ask once, he didn't even ask twice, he asked three times. He was clearly in torment. Why did God not answer him? Why did God not answer him? He was doing everything right. He'd withdrawn to a quiet place. He'd put off distractions. He was focused and concentrated on God. He was on his knees, as Jesus said, go to a quiet place, shut the door, get in your closet, get before your heavenly Father. Jesus was doing everything right. And it still didn't seem like he was doing enough. He wasn't distracted. In fact, in this moment, the the intensity of what he was going through was literally causing the blood vessels under his skin to burst, appearing like he was sweating blood. Jesus was in such internal torment and agony about what he was going to do. Not, not, Not about having to sacrifice himself for us. So many people in the world sacrifice themselves for their countries and things like that. No, what Jesus was doing was so much more than just sacrificing himself. He was literally taking on his body the weight of every evil thing, the weight of every sin that had ever been committed, that was being committed, and that ever would be committed, as it tells us in Romans, that God was counting all of the ones before that moment of sacrifice in Jesus' life on him. He was literally taking on the filth of the world. He was going to carry everything to that cross this agony, and it was not just the cross that he was worried about, but this was going to put him on the seat of judgment, having to separate the very people that he was dying for. Can you imagine, God, is there another way? Had Jesus sinned? Certainly not. Was it wrong of Jesus to be questioning the will of the Father? Was he not asking the right way? Was it the wrong time? And Jesus, so clearly needing the help of his loving Father, why was heaven silent? I've got three thoughts for us. Number one, sometimes God wants us to press in just a little bit more, to be a little bit desperate, maybe to wait a moment, to wait on the Lord. No one really likes waiting. Who likes waiting? 
exactly, no one. If you like waiting, you're probably lying to yourself. No one likes waiting. I mean, if you can, if you can have something good now, like, why not have it now? You know, it's not really something that, that we like to do. It's not something, yeah, I love waiting for things. It's awesome. I love standing in line for like 30 minutes waiting for, for this to happen. And then like, I love going through a drive-through, you know, and, and waiting five minutes and then, you know, getting out the other side and the burger's not even the burger that I, I wanted and they forgot the pickles on it and the, the Coke is like soda water with a little sprinkling of Coke syrup in there. It's like unbelievable. I had to wait five minutes for that. It's like no one really likes waiting, do they? I mean, yeah, I think we can love waiting when we're looking forward to something, but there comes a point. It's like, you know, like when, you, when time flies by and you're like, oh, man. It's like, is it done already? It's like you, you, you're excited about, you know, spending some time with that special someone and now it's already way too late. And you're like, where'd all the time go? It's like, you know, 30-minute episode. And it's like, man, it's finished already. It only just started. I was just getting into it. It's like 30 minute Pastor Joe's preach. No way he's getting the band up. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is the truth. Sometimes God hides himself from us or hides the answer from us because it's not the right time. The right thing at the wrong time becomes the wrong thing. It won't be the best, blessed version of your story. And until he calls you home, he is not done informing and fashioning you, my friend, into who you've been called to be. He is never finished. He started a good work and he is going to complete it. Number two, sometimes it may not be God that is silent. It may, in fact, be us not listening. God's speaking, but we're not listening. Maybe could it be that your thoughts are clouded? that you do need to do what Jesus did and put yourself into a position where you have no more distractions. I mean, you think about that moment for Jesus, plenty to be distracted about, plenty to be worried about, plenty happening in that very moment and also about to happen and the whole journey to the cross and then knowing that there's going to be this incredible experience of, of dying and being raised from the dead and, and receiving his, his glory, there's so much that Jesus could have been distracted by. But he put himself into a position and into an environment, into a moment where it was him and God. Now, maybe you've created a desert chapter in your, in your journey at the moment. I know sometimes I've experienced those desert seasons where it just seems like, man, I, everything seems so dry, Lord. Every, why is everything so hard? And, and or you feel like God is, you're praying all the time, you just feel like, man, God, what am I doing wrong? Or maybe, maybe that's an experience that you're even going through right now. Can I encourage you today, come, come back to God. If you've started to, to, to drift away from your relationship, come back into that relationship. And even if you are going through a, a bit of a desert moment and you feel like, well, I am engaging in my relationship, David. I don't feel anything. It sort of feels all, all one way at the moment. Can I encourage you? He is there. He is there working whether you recognize it or not. So this is my encouragement. Keep coming to church. Keep loving one another. Keep loving the humanity around you. Keep reading the Word of God. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Keep giving. Keep doing good. And keep being who God has called you to be. Because at some point, you are going to come through that desert into the promised land. At some point, you are going to come through that 
dry, parched season and you are going to find the well and you're going to drink and you're going to be refreshed. Number three, maybe it's that the answer has already been given. Was God really ignoring Jesus? No way. God was not ignoring his son. This is a powerful, powerful moment between God and his son, Jesus. If it's not a no, it's a yes. By not answering Jesus, God was actually, in fact, answering him. You think about this, there was no other way. God had already told Jesus what to do, how to do it, where to go. God had given up his only son, sent him to earth. He came with a mission and with a purpose. And this was a part of that. There was no other way. And so Jesus is in this moment asking his father, Father, if there is another way, Father, if there is another way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Lord, if there is another way for your will to play out, then let there be another way. And there was no response because that was the response. There was no other way. Sometimes when you are asking God for something in your story, God has already given you the answer and God might be answering you by not answering you in that moment. God will never ignore us, church. He was not ignoring His Son, Jesus. He was answering Him by not answering Him. There was no other way. God wanted Him to do what He had asked Him to do. And Jesus took it. He didn't hear from his father. He said, well, Lord, let your will be done. Not my will. Let your will be done. How many of you are thankful that Jesus didn't keep looking for another way? That Jesus didn't give in to some temptation in that moment? That, that he was able to continue? He was, he'd been charged up in the Mount of Transfiguration for the moment that he was coming into. He was resolute for the joy that was awaiting him for, for the eternal life with his, his bride, you and I. Like, he, was, he was like, nah, if there's no other way, I'm going to go and do what God has asked me to do. And that's what I would encourage you today with church, that if God is not answering something for you, then keep doing what you've already been called to do. You are a Christian to the world around you and there is a need out there for you to release the power of God and be who you've been called to be and become who God wants you to become. If God is not saying no, then keep on going. If God is not saying turn off here, then don't turn off here. Keep on going, church. Keep on running. Keep on being who God has left us here to be. Amen? There was no other way. Jesus had to endure this moment. It was part of his story. It was part of our story. God allowed him to be bruised and to be crushed so that fresh oil might flow. From him to all believers. You know, the very name of the garden literally translates from its original Aramaic meaning to an oil press. Gethsemane literally means oil press. And Jesus said, my soul is crushed. I'm heavy. I'm bruised. God was crushing him. There was a spiritual moment taking place where new oil, fresh oil was coming out of God for all believers to be able to partake. 
This is what God wanted Jesus to go through. He didn't want him to, to skip past this part of, of his story. No, this was going to benefit the whole world. When God is silent, when God is silent, maybe God isn't answering you because the answer is already so obvious. You know you've heard from God already, but you're doubting it. Don't doubt God. Obey. You can put a fleece out if you want to, but once your prayer has been answered, commit, step out, stand up, recognize that if God has asked you to do something, you now have the weight of heaven coming behind you and you are going to be able to succeed because God has asked you to do something. If you're praying and you're listening, but you're not hearing, then I encourage you again today, keep doing what you are currently doing. God is not a mean God. He's not some nasty God who's up there and, you know, withholding his will from your life. But, well, well you know, just let him have a go. And, you know, well, that's probably not going to be great for them. But, uh, you know, well, they're choosing it. So, no, that's not who our God is. He lights up the path of his children. If you are starting to head down a pathway of life that is not good for you, God will step in and stuff will start to take place that probably won't be good because he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to say, no, keep doing this. And if you're not hearing a difference from God, then whatever was the last word that God gave you, whatever was the last thing that God asked you to do, keep doing it. Keep going. Keep doing what God has asked you to do. I want to help you to have a revelation to fight back the lies. To keep on fighting the good fight. Because those lies come. Those temptations come. Those moments come where we start to build questions and those questions grow. I want to encourage you to cut those questions off when they start to grow. God is not being slow in fulfilling his promise to you. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, we read it at the start. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own knowledge. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, Jesus examples to us in this moment that despite whether we hear clearly from God or not in the moment, we are required to be obedient to the word of God and what it says. You and I have been left here with a task to do, and we've got to obey God and to get stuck into it. God is in control, my friend. It might seem like there is no control in the circumstance at the moment. But God always brings order into chaos. It's who he is. He is the prince of peace. God is in control. You can keep praying to your heavenly father. You can trust him. And when you pray and when you listen, if you hear or if you don't, keep doing what you know God has asked you to do. You know, it also could be that if God is silent, maybe he doesn't want you to know your answer yet, but it's not because he doesn't want to talk to you or somehow you've annoyed him or brought the relationship to a place where now he's just frustrated or, you know, fed up with you. No, no, you are his bride. He loves you. If there is silence, I can tell you, church, is only ever to our benefit. To draw us in, to grow us, to help us in our walk. Let me encourage you with you. Let me encourage you with this today. Can I get the band to come back, please? If God is silent, you can be rest assured that He is, in fact, still very much at work. His hand is doing 
the work behind the scenes that needs to be done for the next part of your story to take place. The door might not have opened that you thought would open. Maybe the door hasn't closed that you thought would close. Whatever it is, it is that you are going through, God's hand is at work. Whether seen or unseen, God is always working on his children. If God is silent, you can you can put confidence in his love. You're going to see good come to you. To bless you, to prosper you. Not just for this time, but for all time. For the time that really matters. Church, God loves you. Church, God really, really loves you. He really, really wants you. He really desires intimacy with us. He really desires to do life with you and I. He desires not just even this moment that we have here on earth with Him, but He desires all eternity with you and I. And that is His goal in mind. That's why He came. That's why He had to go to the cross. That's why His Father didn't give Him another way out. Because He wants you and I to spend not just this time, but all time with Him forever. He desires communication. He wants the best for you and I. There is so much more to come for this church, for your family, for your business, for whatever you are going through. There is so much more goodness that God has for us, church. There are things that we can be excited for and expect. There is stuff that is stored up within you that you don't even recognize you're going to be stepping into. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You and I don't know what's going to happen next week, but God does. He is always working, church. Thank you.